right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. the garden path where each week we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down-to-Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host and co-author Matthew Dressing. Hello everyone and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. So, carnivorous plants. The name alone sparks the imagination to life with images of what this diverse and interesting group of plants are capable of. On this episode of Down the Garden Path, we are joined by Tamara Urban Imbo. Should confirm that <laughs> from Plants yeah, Hut yeah. to teach us about selecting and caring for and growing these amazing plants as she introduces us to the wonderful world of carnivorous plants. Are you growing carnivorous plants? I am. I have one right in front of me. And do you have a question for Tamara about carnivorous plants? We'd love to hear from you. Write us at down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com. And we don't forget to stick around for the end of our show for our Stepping Stone segment, where we will answer more listener questions and give you timely tips for your garden and landscape. So just before Tamara joins us here on the show, a little about her. Originally from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Tamara is a landscape architect and owner of Plantsahut, a plant nursery in Toronto. Specializing in carnivorous plants, Plants of Hut's little green monsters range from hungry and strange to ravenous and downright deadly for insects. Each plant has been expertly grown by local hobby growers in Toronto and the GTA. Appearing regularly at plant markets around the city, Tamara seeks to provide affordable entry-level carnivorous plants, as well as rare and harder-to-find species for collectors. Welcome to the show, Tamara. Hi, thank you so much. It's great to be here. I'm really excited about this. Well, we're really excited, too, to have you share all these wonderful, cool carnivorous plants with us. So thank you for joining us. Why don't you start, tell us, how did you get inspired to, you know, get into carnivorous plants and found Plants Hut? Yeah, so this all began with a, a trip, a field trip in a field ecology course that I was taking at university. Um, so back in the day, I was, uh, I was getting my master's of landscape architecture and we had this field ecology course. And for one of the field trips, we went to a bog uh, and we were doing quadrats, which um, any plant biologist would recognize. They're basically these meter by meter squares. And essentially you just like kind of toss them wherever and you count all the plants that land within this thing. And so we were doing that. And um, we, we, one of my professors pointed out this little tiny, tiny sundew. And she said, that's a carnivorous plant. And I was like, what on earth is that? It's so small and it eats bugs. And she's like, yeah, and that's basically where it all started for me. I was just like, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen. I need more <laughs> of these in my life. 
<laughs> so it took me a long time actually to learn that people kept them as house plants. That kind of floored me at first. So I got the opposite intro to them that a lot of people get. Um, you know, obviously there's the Venus fly traps that are in the grocery stores and stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have those. And I did have one of those too. And I, you know, killed many of them, um, as most people do, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, and we can talk about that a bit later. Those things are are super finicky, but uh really a pleasure once you get the hang of them. So Anyway, that's how it all started. Um, in terms of the business, uh, essentially, it it kind of just sprang up from really having too many plants in my personal collection <laughs> and just needing to get rid of some, honestly. Uh, and so I started selling them just through Facebook Marketplace, and it kind of took off. And oh. yeah, here I am about a year and a half later with a fully official business doing plant markets in Toronto and yeah, just continuously expanding. Yeah. It's been a, an incredible journey. So. Wow. That's great. That's amazing. Um, right off the top, mm. Edward has sent in a question. Hello uh, all. And you yeah. touched on this, but what actually are carnivorous plants? Yeah, that's a great question, Edward. Okay. So carnivorous plants essentially are plants that have grown in really nutrient poor environments. So places like bogs, places like fens, which is essentially just a fancy way of being like a swamp that doesn't get a ton of um, additional like rain or doesn't get a lot of fresh water into it. So um, like a swampy area. And basically the, the like biggest characteristic plant of a, bog is sphagnum moss so this big pillowy moss whenever you see that that kind of tells you oh I might be in a bog and then um, Mm. there's specific trees that grow very specific set of flora Um, so these plants specifically the carnivorous ones actually evolved into carnivory because they weren't getting enough nutrients or the proper nutrients from the soil that they were growing in because essentially they were growing in moss right Um, So they evolved over time to eat bugs and acquire their nutrients through digesting the bugs. (laughs) So they're kind of wild. It's kind of this like super weird thing that just happened to evolve on multiple continents at the same time. And so there's like all kinds of them. There's temperate ones. There's tropical ones. There's like special ones that grow in Australia because shout out Australia you got the weirdest stuff like all the time (laughs) most Um, deadly right aren't there all their plants and animals like the most yeah frightening (laughs) yeah pretty much yeah yeah Yeah, so that's kind of how they evolved and so they they live in all kinds of different climates and all kinds of different places around the world Um, but carnivory generally is is an adaptation to nutrient poor soils essentially. Okay. And so what exactly are they um uh, eating? What are what are they after specifically? Like is it just insects yeah. that are in their native environment or pretty much it's mostly insects. So different plants are adapted to eat different things, of course. Um 
So something like a butter, for example, is probably going to be eating a, a smaller fly, like a fungus gnat. They're great for fungus gnats. Um, uh, fruit flies, that kind of thing. Uh, a Venus flytrap may be getting more of like a house fly type size prey. Um, I've seen them eat moths as well. For most, like, yeah, it's mostly insects, arachnids. Really, really okay. small things. Yeah. Okay. Now, do they send something out to attract that? Like, I'm thinking, man, we could really sell them as at like fruit fly season, right? Like, if there was something, because yeah. everybody's putting those like apple juice and vinegar in a in saran wrap, and really, do they just need a <laughs> carnivorous plant? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so they do send out attractants. They make a sort of a nectar that attracts the uh, okay. the bugs to them. So yeah, they it's not quite as strong as your apple cider vinegar traps, right? Like yeah. those are those are pretty pretty intense for the supplies, but uh, definitely pinguicula specifically would help a lot with any sort of fruit fly infestation. Highly recommended. <laughs> oh, okay, so what was that variety? Sorry. Pinguicula, the butterworts. Oh, okay, what I have. Okay, the butterworts. What you have, exactly. Yes, yeah. yes. And I do notice, like, the leaves are look sticky. Yes. And is that, like, but the but mine is flowering, and I just notice it's getting a second flower. So where is it, like, the, the insect sticks on the leaves? And yeah, then what so happens? the leaves So essentially, the leaves are secreting a, a, a digestive mucus. Uh, which has an aroma that the bugs can smell. We can't smell it, so there's no worry for yeah any weird smells in your house. Not mm. to worry about that. They uh, we can't smell them at all. Um, but so these leaves, yes, you're right. They are quite sticky. That mucus is is very sticky. If you touch it, it kind of feels just wet to us. Mm. So there's no uh, no harm for any human being uh, with these plants, mm -hmm. but for a bug when they land on it it's so sticky that they get stuck to the leaf and they can't fly away and then the plant just digests it right there and then on the leaf so really? it's kind of a weird process but yeah yeah it's uh it's strange to watch it happen the bug just essentially sits there forever until it gets washed away and the the plant just digests it there yeah <laughs> It's a slightly morbid hobby. I'm I not feel like lie. a little like are we being sadistic? Like uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, slightly. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's a bit of a spooky one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now I was told, so I don't really follow it as much as I probably should. But I was told when I got this that it needed, and actually, it came with a little card that it needed to sit in water. Yes. Constantly, yeah. hence my like tacky little black glass bowl. Oh, so when I yep. remember and walk into the room and I'm like, oh, it needs water. So, but does it really need like, is because that, and that's where the bog, whole bog plant, swamp plant came from. So it should always be in water. So that's such a good question. And it's a little bit more complicated than should always be in water, unfortunately, okay. as with all plants, right? So Certain species, yes, they love being in the water all the time. They can be perfectly happy being wet constantly in a little jar of water, no problem. Um, other species, though, do prefer to dry out more. So the interesting thing about butterwort specifically is that sometimes they do grow in a swamp, 
but sometimes they actually also grow on rock faces. Um, Yeah, so they're really adaptable to different conditions. And depending on what the species is, it may prefer it more wet or more dry. Um, it's hard to say from what from here what yours is. I feel like it may be a. a uh, it says Aphrodite. Aphrodite. Yes, it is Aphrodite. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sure ta- I have watered it. Put it in water because you can barely see the tag, right? Because it's been in water. But uh, right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's so always I do have a good giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. So Aphrodite is one that likes to stay pretty wet, pretty constantly. Okay. So I think uh, you're doing a good job there by giving it water every time you see it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it appreciates that for sure. <laughs> excellent, excellent. It's very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So, what if we don't have like we have a carnivorous plant, but we don't have insects to feed it, like fungus nat- naturally around? Is there something that we can do to feed them or keep them healthy without insects? Absolutely, there are so many things actually. Um, so, my favorite thing that I use is called Max C. It's a kelp based fertilizer. So it's sea kelp um, that's harvested from the ocean and uh, made into this really lovely fertilizer. Um, And I dilute it quite a lot. uh, And I actually apply it to my plants as a foliar spray. Um, And that really for for most of them is is an excellent supplement. Um, For others, like the tropical or the temperate even um, pitcher plants, those guys can handle a little bit more food. Those are the ones that have the vases and that's the the digestion part of the plant. Um, So for those, for example, I'll often put a little osmocote pellet in there, a little osmocote fertilizer. They love that. Um, You can also use fish food um, I also use uh, freeze-dried blood worms that I kind of um, make into like a little paste and apply for my Venus flytraps. So it kind of, again, depends on the species, um, but there are a ton of other options for a supplemental feeding, absolutely. And, you know, whatever insects you find in your house you can always just dump those in the trap as well and they love it <laughs> oh my god it's like having a like everybody it's like having a plant and a pet <laughs> right and yeah. you don't need to create yeah. it you don't need to yeah. walk it you don't need to you know <laughs> you just need yeah. to eat it. you just oh need to gosh. give it light and water and a little bit of food yeah it's like oh. the epitome of a, a millennial thing I think where it's oh, like god. yeah it's a plant and it's a it's a pet and it's like almost a child at some point too, <laughs> you know, like we're always referring to our plant babies, right? In the community. So. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. so funny. Cause we have a thing where we don't know what's going on, but like spiders in the kitchen, like we've got new kitchen cupboards that are, mm. you know, white. And then my sons and they're always up at the top. And my sons, like, we're like, why again another spider like where are these spiders coming from? But Hey, oh, this no. is now like, I could get it even bigger um <laughs> plant and in the kitchen kind of thing absolutely yeah 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 so I feel like they seem very like succulent like at least the ones I've seen you know and is that true as far as like the light that they may need as well mm, yes yeah pretty comparable okay. to be honest yeah um they appreciate a lot of light especially the the butterwort like what you have there um those guys they tend to do 
okay in bright and direct light, but there's a lot of different varieties. And in fact, your Aphrodite will do this as well, where if you put them in really, really bright light, they actually blush. So they turn pink, they turn purple, some turn a little bit red or orange. It's quite beautiful. So with your little Aphrodite there, um, if you put it under a really strong grow light or in a southern, um, or well, caveat here, I only grow with artificial light. So mm -hmm. I don't fully know how strong the sun is for these guys. Um, I would say um, maybe even the northern window. I don't know. You'd have to experiment with it a right. little bit. Right, yeah, but, okay. Um, They'll definitely turn different colors. So, okay. and the the watering I recommend for butterworts also is very similar to to most house plants in general. Actually, I I usually recommend to just let it dry out and then really thoroughly soak it, fill the reservoir or like the cup at the bottom with water, and then just wait for that to evaporate and dry out a little bit, and then okay. water again. So. Okay. That yeah, very doing, similar. Yeah, to very, very well, almost similar yeah. to an orchid too, really, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, that is very good. Um, so, what it might bring out plant insects that you don't even know you have, right? Like, you know, Matt, you're saying, you know, there's many of us. We don't think we have insects in the house, but you know, once you see it stuck to the plant, yeah, surprise. Oh, right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it it can be quite shocking sometimes. The thing you see finds. <laughs> So you've mentioned a couple different um, carnivorous plants and maybe some people or some of our listeners have picked up on some of the forms, but can you maybe talk to, um, you know, what are some of the forms or species of carnivorous plants that we're going to find in our garden centers? Might We might have seen, but don't even realize. Yeah, definitely. Great question. So they're in general, they're quite hard to find. And most garden centers, if they do have some, they'll have a couple, they'll maybe be beside the cash, just in a little tiny tray. Maybe there's half a dozen of them there. Um, and often those will be something like a Venus flytrap. Um, sometimes you'll really luck out and you'll get a tropical pitcher plant. Um, but I, I would say the Venus flytrap is the one that most people know and um, have come to recognize it's the one that has the trap that closes around its prey. So it closes super quickly when it catches a bug. And, you know, it's it's really fun. It's really cool. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's, it's quite hard to find them, to be honest. Um, there is one wholesale distributor in Southern Ontario. So we're quite lucky here that they grow um, tropical pitcher plants as well as Venus flytraps. And they do some temperate um, pitcher plants as well. Uh, so those are the ones that we'll find around here uh, in different parts of the country. Obviously, that varies quite a bit. Um, if you're really, really lucky and you've got a really awesome garden center, you might find some butterworts or pinguiculas. Um, those are my personal favorite. That's what I specialize in the most. Um, and they are very tricky to find so if you find one <laughs> pick it up right away <laughs> grab it grab it <laughs> yeah <laughs> what about places like this in ontario are there any native plants or native carnivorous plants in our area 
Yeah, absolutely. There are actually. So I just went on a camping trip a few weekends ago. I went up to the Bruce Peninsula. I highly recommend going there. Anybody who is a plant nerd who lives in Southern Ontario, you absolutely have to go. There is a stunning array of plants that exist there and even carnivorous plants. So there are few bogs and fens in that area that host things like temperate pitcher plants. So those are called sarasanias. Um, and they're the little uh, stubby, chubby guys. Um, they have uh, sundews. They have butterworts, pingricula as well. Um, and they're just kind of in this field. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was floored. Actually, this was the first time in a long time that I've seen these species in situ so you know I was taking tons of photos and just taking my sweet time and you know kind of picking through the grasses trying to see what I can find but uh, definitely the Bruce Peninsula I believe there are a few more uh, possibly in the Guelph region as well in some of the national parks there um, or they might be provincial actually I'm not too sure, to be totally honest, but they do exist here. Anywhere you find a bog, you will find carnivorous plants. Okay. <laughs> now, we should mention that they're not, even if you go to a bog and you find a bog in, let's say, the Bruce Peninsula, you shouldn't be digging it out, right? Like it is. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No plant no, poaching. When, no plant no poaching. Plant yes. poaching. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's so important. I am a, a huge proponent and advocate for not poaching plants um, <laughs> because these plants have been, you know, uh, fairly popular. Um, there are a lot of issues with poaching. And so it's extremely important if you do find them, that you leave them for the next people to enjoy them. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, honestly, too, the thing is, like, if you were to take some, unless you have a ton of knowledge about the species they're probably gonna die anyway mm -hmm. so it's like just just leave them there just yeah. please just yeah. you know yeah. leave them there they're they're perfectly happy there on their own you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. and you can go visit whenever you want kind of thing but yeah uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, it's good to know that you are now a resource. So if somebody sees something or learns of something that they're interested in, that they could contact you and hopefully you Absolutely. can, you can, you have it or you do source plants for like specific plants for clients. I do. Yeah. I, I try very hard to find things whenever people mention stuff um, that they're looking for, that they're interested in. I do try to find them, uh, those plants. It is quite tricky because I am mostly sourcing from other hobbyists in the area. Um, so, you know, at, at this point, I've made myself a fairly robust community. I can find a decent amount of things, um, but sometimes it takes some time, right? And unfortunately, because we don't have, you know, the number of carnivorous plant nurseries that they have in the States, for example, mm -hmm it's a little bit trickier for us to get some of the stuff up here mm -hmm. um, just because it's, you know, it's difficult to import and right. lots of those companies won't even ship to Canada yeah. at all. So yeah. we have to go down to the border and get it. And it's yeah. a whole thing, right? Yeah, but, yeah uh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So Edward or no, Hank has asked, um, what is the life cycle of a carnivorous plant? 
Ah, okay. Good one, Hank. This is <laughs> this is a tricky one, actually. Mm-hmm. So the life cycle of a carnivorous plant, my goodness. Um, well, essentially, like, it, it always depends on the species, right? Mm, okay. um, most of them will start off as seedlings, uh, and then they'll grow into their carnivory kind of So they start off with the two little tiny leaves like most plants do. And then from there, they usually make um, carnivorous leaves after that. Now, I am not the strongest person to talk to about seedlings. Mm -hmm. Um, They can be quite difficult and I am not great with them. Like I can do a a Drosera seedling, a Sundew seedling. They kind of grow like weeds, so they're pretty easy. But Mm -hmm. things like tropical pitcher plants, the Nepenthes, I struggle with those. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, generally they're fairly slow to start. And then um, once they mature, most species will eventually flower. Um, Some of them are self-pollinating. So they don't need any extra insect or human interference to make seeds. Um, so the ones that do that tend to be quite prolific in our collections. Those are, you know, mostly sundews. Um, they, uh, they will send out thousands of seeds from one flower stalk. So they're, uh, quite prolific and they can become weeds in a collection quite easily, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're gorgeous weeds though. I love these <laughs> Yeah, I was say, that's quite a weed. Cool. Yeah, right? <laughs> Yeah, so they're all kind of different, but they all pretty much will start from a seedling or a division um, and then bloom. And, you know, some can need to be pollinated to produce seeds. Others don't. A lot of them do divide as well. Right. So you have another plant, it'll divide itself um, sequentially over the years and you'll end up with a bunch of them. So as long as you have good growing conditions, honestly, they take off, they grow like that. <laughs> and would you say that for the most part, are they, would you consider them perennial where they're native? Or are there some annuals that literally just reseed every year and then die kind of thing? Or Yeah, there are definitely some of both, okay. actually. Um, so some there's like a, a sundew called Drosera bermanii, for example, and that one is an annual. So it's quite tricky in cultivation to keep it going. Once it seeds, it usually dies. Um, but we have figured out that if we add a lot of food for this guy while he's flowering and right after he's flowering, he can actually pull through. So oh. it's it's an interesting thing. Yeah, but there are definitely perennials, obviously the ones that live here, for example, go dormant in the winter. So they do go into basically a tuberous um, mode and then they uh, they kind of sleep over the winter and then they'll come back the next spring. Uh, and then, of course, there are the tropical ones that are um, perfectly well and um, eating bugs all the time. Some of the tropical ones do go dormant as well. Um, and that just means basically during a dry season, for example, some of them will go dormant uh, during that time. And basically their leaves just become really small and compact instead of being large and open for prey. Oh, nice. Kelly has written in 
um, and asks, do any of the carnivorous plants have medicinal purposes that you know of? Oh, oh man, that's such a great question. <laughs> you you asked for it before the, the show. Answer. You said, I'm like, I know what they throw at you. Well, and I'm are. so excited. I'm going to research all this stuff after the show. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> that, and that's okay, because we've got Kelly's email address. So if you wanted to get back to us, nice. Kelly, we can get yes. back to you with the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah, would be perfect. Sure. Yeah, sure. I'll do that. Or, and that's an Instagram post for you. <laughs> mm. Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah, you know me and my Instagram. I, I love Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, our listeners have the best questions. So it's great. Yeah, they Thank really you. do. So if you are looking to maybe follow along with Tamara right now, uh, you know, at Plant Sahut uh, is her Instagram uh, handle there. P-L-A-N-T-Z-Z-A-H U. So check her out. She's very, you're very prolific on uh, Instagram. I love following you on Instagram and seeing all the very cool plants. So if you're looking for some plants, follow along now on Tamara's Instagram. As we reach the halfway of the show, I'm going to join in, jump in here and say uh, thank you for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. And thank you as well if you're listening to the podcast, maybe you've downloaded it and you're on your way to work. Either way, we appreciate you as well. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host and co-author, Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the wonderful guests that join us here on the show, such as Tamara Urban Imbo from Plantsa Hut, if you're just tuning in. Don't forget, you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Down the Garden Path Podcast is our handle there. You can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from you. You can always write us down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com. Or via our websites, you can find Joanne at www.downthenumber2earth.ca and myself at www.naturalaffinity.ca. Excellent. So um, Bob has written in, and this is cute. He says, wow, my kids want a pet, so you just saved me. Thanks. So yeah, <laughs> it's a great little thing. Um, I think it's a great way to get kids interested in plants as well right knowing absolutely anybody all the kids that get their little bug collector kid and and you know magnifying glass for outside i know my boys had that but now they can Mm. you know really understand and and you know it's beautiful it flowers but it also attracts insects like i don't know i think it's a a really cool way to um to uh you know inspire kids or to teach them about plants so i think that's great um Mm -hmm. yeah I wonder about the size. So like, you know, I think of things um, like this butterwort is small. Um, Venus fly mm-hmm. traps, you know, you see them kind of tiny in stores. Is there mm-hmm. something that is bigger? Like that, I'm sure it would be much more expensive, but something more, um, I'm trying to think of something uh, to compare it to. Uh, I can't think of one. Like, uh, okay, I've got a um, Christmas cactus or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. just ahead, as Matt. you answer Sorry. that, 
just as you answer that, Pam has written in as Joanne asked this question and says, hello, Joanne and Matt, what's the biggest carnivorous oh. plant? Are there any <laughs> monsters? There you go. Yes. Thanks, Pam. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> there are a few monsters, but don't yeah. worry, you're safe. Um, yeah, so the biggest ones that I've seen are Nepenthes, the tropical um uh, pitcher plants. So those ones can actually grow really, really high. They're a vine. So they actually grow in the tropical forest and they grow up the tree trunks. Uh, so they essentially will shingle their way all the way up. And they, as they mature, they make larger and larger pitchers. Um, so they, there are stories and there was a little competition on Instagram a little while ago um, who had the biggest picture. So ah. we can draw our comparisons there if we want to. But it was quite fun. It was a lot of people posting photos of the largest pictures uh, beside a, a measuring tape. And I think the largest one in the end was over a foot long. It wow. was humongous. Yeah. So some of these nurseries, like, obviously this isn't, grown in somebody's living room right this right. is grown in an environment that's been tailored specifically to these plants mm -hmm. um but in these nurseries they do sometimes have a picture that is you know bigger than my head <laughs> these things will sometimes catch really large prey as well um some of them have even caught mice um oh, wow. some have caught rats now, this is accidental. This is not part of their regular eating habits. Um, it's, you know, a mouse accidentally falls into the trap and can't get out kind of a situation. Mm. But once it's there, the plant will actually digest it, which is pretty wild to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I know you're cutting out a little bit on, on internet a bit, Tamara. But so oh, when you no. say pitcher plant, oh. like, so can we describe for our listeners... Like, I, what is yeah, it? Picture plant? Like, I, I'm trying to think yeah. of the shape, right? Because it's almost like a horn, or is it like a meant to look like a water pitcher? Sure. Yeah. So some of them do look like water pitchers. They they grow off of the main vine, which is you know comprised of just individual leaves, um, and they kind of come out almost similar to a spider plant, really. Uh, and then at the end of that, they hold a little, um, yeah, like a, a pitcher, basically. Um, it's really hard to describe. They're just mm -hmm. these tiny little cylindrical things that hold, uh, that hang at the end of the leaf. And those are filled with digestive enzymes. Uh, and so there's a whole bunch of really cool mechanisms that work in those. And I, I won't get into all of it, but essentially... Um, there's nectar that's provided in this trap and that attracts the bugs and then the bugs come to feed on the nectar and then fall into the trap. Um, so it's, it's a pretty wild thing, but there's all kinds of different shapes and sizes of pitchers. Some of them are really cylindrical. Others are very vase shaped where they're kind of round and bulbous at the bottom and then sort of taper up and out. Some of them are more like triangular where they are very, very small at the base and then open up really wide at the top. Um, there's all kinds really. It's uh, it's quite a diverse family of plants. <laughs> 
And as you're describing the pictures, are they all just like a green color or like, do they like, what color are they? They're all kinds of colors. <laughs> so um, one of my favorite ones is purple. Um, it's one that's available in a lot of stores around here. It's called Nepenthes Rebecca Soper. Um, and she is gorgeous. I have photos of her on my Instagram if you guys are curious. Um, she makes these beautiful, delicate little tiny pictures. They're nice and purple. Uh, there are other ones that are bright red. Of course, there are lots that are green. Um, there's some that are orange. Lots of them have speckles. And you can get ones that have, you know, red speckles and green speckles and yellow speckles. And there's all kinds of just amazing things. One of the most popular ones is called Candy Stripe. If you Google Nepenthes candy stripe, you will not be disappointed. It is gorgeous. <laughs> the peristome oh, wow. on this thing is wild and beautifully striped, uh, green and red. It's one of the most sought after Nepenthes. It is absolutely gorgeous. But there are a ton of them. I personally like to collect the ones that are darker colored. So the ones that are maroon or purple or black even those are my favorites but they come in all colors oh yeah yeah i'm just scrolling i'm like obsessed of scrolling through your instagram feed and the one of the last <laughs> pictures your most recent picture is of a pitcher plant and it's actually yellow yeah. so i think yeah. that's really these would be really cool plants so um so i hope our listeners will will check them out for sure um yeah so speaking of carnivorous plants um james has also written in and asks uh, or says this is a very cool and interesting program today so very cool uh, and wonders are there any vegetarian carnivorous plants that you know? <laughs> that's, a, that's an oxymoron wouldn't it be kind of yeah right <laughs> not that i know of james but you're funny yeah. i like you <laughs> <laughs> so there may be no vegetarians um, and our carnivorous <laughs> plants are eating insects. What about pests and diseases for our carnivorous plants? Is there anybody that we need to worry about that might eat them? Uh, yes, there is. Unfortunately, I don't want to burst everybody's bubbles, <laughs> but I have to. I'm so sorry. Um, so all of your usual uh, pests that people get on their houseplants, unfortunately, are really not great for carnivorous plants as mm -hmm. well. Um, things like aphids really like them. Thankfully, aphids are pretty easy to get rid of, um, but they're big fans. <laughs> um, <laughs> things like thrips actually are very common on pitcher plants. So those are one of the hardest ones to get rid of. So that's always a real, you know, stake through the heart when you get a plant and you realize, oh no, it's got something on it whatever it is mm. um yeah unfortunately most of our common houseplant pests will not really respond to the 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 um the plant's nectar and like it won't fall into the trap of getting eaten it'll just eat the plant so it's really too bad because i you know i have people come up to me and they go hey i have mealy bugs can i use these to help get rid of them 
And I'm like, oh no, please don't. <laughs> please keep them very far away. Like quarantine that plant and treat it. It's you, you can't. You need more than a carnivorous plant to help you with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, mealybug for sure. But I would have thought aphids. Mm-hmm. I would have thought that they would eat aphids. Like if they'll eat a mouse. Like oh my gosh, they don't yeah. eat aphids. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just it depends on the species, of course. Um, the aphids really tend to like sundews. And those do have the sticky leaves. But the thing is that the aphids will attack it towards the heart of the plant or on mm. the stem that doesn't have that digestive enzyme on it. So uh, okay. they've kind of caught on to the game mm. and they're, you know, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate, <laughs> but they they are susceptible to a few diseases and, or sorry, um, houseplant pests, yeah. But luckily, I think we, I think as gardeners, we all know a few of those common ones like aphids and mealy bugs, and we can make short work of them, hopefully. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. we're getting close. We've only got, uh, we're, we're approaching the end of our show, but where um, can we find you? We've got you on Instagram at Plants a Hut. Um, you were earlier mentioning a bunch of shows around Toronto that you're going to, so you, or that you are involved in. So you do sell plants, am I correct? I do, yes. I, I sell under the name Plant the Hut. Uh, and I will be around at a bunch of different markets this summer. I'm doing Toronto Queer Market at Stacked uh, next Saturday, or sorry, this Saturday, uh, June 17th from 2 to 10. So you can find me there. I'll also be at the Spooky Market on August the 12th. And I'm going to be at the, not the coming Reptile Expo, but the next one in September, I think. I'll be at that one. And I'm also actually organizing my own carnivorous market as well. This will be the second one that we ever do. So I partnered up with Friends of Allen Gardens uh, and we're doing a carnivorous-based market. Uh, So we had one back in February. It was extremely successful. We had lines. We had a wonderful day just talking with folks in the community, selling carnivorous plants. I got some of my friends to come out and sell with me and sell their plants. And it was truly amazing. So definitely watch for that. It's called Hungry for Love. And we're hoping to get one put together for the fall. So that's really the big one. But otherwise, you can always DM me on Instagram. Uh, You can send me a a message in my Facebook group, uh, Carnivorous Plant Club Toronto and GTA. That is a group that me and a few friends have created just to connect the community. So we would love to hear from any and all people that have carnivorous plants in that group. we we ask a lot of questions. We do group orders. We, it's a great support system and oh. and wonderful resource for finding plants as well. Excellent, excellent. So I was looking for a website. So you don't wait have a website right now, but uh... no, not yet. Yeah, okay. it's it's on the to do list for I sale. Know. I've been working on it, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, right now it's just Instagram. And understandably, you've been so busy with all these amazing shows and everybody's so excited for your plants that 
<laughs> when yeah. you have time to grow a website. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. But you know, we know you can be very successful on social media. So that's good. Yes. And, uh, and, and people can follow you there for sure. And, and contact you if they're looking for something in particular. And, and for our listeners in Absolutely. the US, then I think, you know, because it is hard to get plants you know, across the border, that type of thing. And we have a lot of American listeners. Uh, definitely check out, uh, the, you know, different groups like like uh, what uh, Tamara has here uh, in in the U.S. So can, looking up carnivorous plants and and some of the species that she's mentioned. So uh, so yeah, so that's a good good resource for sure. So Tamara, as we get to the end of our show, is there anything that you want to promote, mention, plug? I know you talked about all of those amazing shows um some of your contact information is there anything else you want to add or share with us and our listeners yeah for sure um so watch out for the hungry for love show i would love to connect with all of you guys um i am on the canadian carnivorous plant society website we have a big forum there you can find me there at tamsy plants is my handle on that one uh, and yeah, for all those listeners in the States, I highly recommend that you check out uh, California carnivores. They are okay. the be all and end all nursery for carnivorous plants in the States. I will cry a million tears when I see what you buy because I can't get most of it up here. Yeah. <laughs> but I would love to see it and I'd love you, for you to support them. They're absolutely wonderful and they do a phenomenal job at what they do. So. They're, uh, they're the biggest plant girl, um, goals for me. Oh, that's <laughs> um, great. And I, I forgot to mention earlier, sorry, I am often at Ghostwood Market as well here in Toronto. So okay. if you are in the Toronto area, uh, watch out for Ghostwood Market as well. And okay. I'm, I'm there quite regularly. Okay. And is it like a weekly market? I'm not familiar. It's a monthly market. It's kind of an oddities show of really cool local makers that come and and sell their wares there so um it's yeah it's monthly and we usually do it at the parkdale hall um sometimes at uh the society for beer drinking ladies on, up on college um but usually <laughs> in the west end yeah <laughs> society for beer drink- that's a whole yeah. other show tamara that's yeah. a whole other it show is. Add, an- add another podcast actually because there was apparently in a society for beer drinking women i had no idea <laughs> <laughs> yes yes surprise surprise yeah it's all good times for sure <laughs> Oh, well, that's absolutely amazing. So thank you so much for joining us tonight and talking all about uh, carnivorous plants. We have all of your links and your contact information. So we'll add those all to our show notes. So if you want to learn more, you can reach out and contact uh, Tamara and we'll uh, follow up with you and Kelly regarding their medicinal medicinal values. And I hope you guys all check out the show notes for all these amazing resources. Thank you so much again for introducing us and our listeners to the wonderful world of carnivorous plants. Yes. Thank you, Tamara. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. It's been an absolute pleasure. I I love these plants and I hope that everybody else that's been listening is going to start loving them as well. They're uh, they're really a well-kept secret at this point, but I'm Mm -hmm. trying to push them 
closer <laughs> into the eye of the public here. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's I think you're great. doing a great job on Instagram for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much, Matt. That's so, you're so kind. (laughs) Oh, that's great. All right. Well, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks again, you guys. (laughs) Okay. Bye Bye for now. Um, So, yeah. So that was a great show. We learned a lot. Uh, And uh, yeah, wasn't that great, Matt? That was. Tamara is so knowledgeable about all of those those uh, carnivorous plants and just wonderful photos. So you need to go check her out at Plants a Hut on Instagram for sure. We always mention that we have these links in our show notes. Just so you guys know, our show notes are all of that, uh, you know, questions or summary of the show and all those links that we mentioned during the show. So if you go to YouTube, remember at Down the Garden Path Podcast, we're on YouTube now. But also if you just search Down the Garden Path podcast on all your major podcast providers or your favorite one, you can find the information about each of the shows and all of those links that we uh, or resources that we mentioned during the show. So if you scramble to write it down or couldn't spell Plants a Hut, no worries. Uh, just Google our show or find us on your favorite podcast provider. You can find all the contact information there as well. We'll add uh, California Carnivores and the Plant Society of Canada. Lots of great uh, information there too. So, yes, we had a wonderful show. Tamara was was great. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. Carnivorous plants are very cool. Now she was, so I know she. there might have been a little bit of sound cutting out, so I do apologize. Um, of course, the day she books a podcast, her, there's an, an internet outage in her area. So she was on uh, on, on her phone and uh, she's doing the best. So I think it turned out pretty good, but, you know, we do the best we can here, right? At Down the Garden Path podcast. And it's our stepping stone segment, but um, we just wanted to talk a little bit more with what's going on with us. I know we're getting a lot of emails during the show and we, and we just feel like it's not a thing, thing to talk about in front of a guest, but <laughs> we wanted to thank everybody for your well wishes. And um, a word is trickling out that uh, Matt and I are, are sadly after I've spent nine and a half years with, on a Monday night with Gary and uh, we are um, made the painful decision to um, step away from our gardening show here on Reality Radio 101. And it was a very hard decision. And we want to thank our listeners and for your support all of these years, for Gary's support, of course. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so if you've heard that, then that's true. If you haven't heard it, then now we're telling you now. Right, Matt? That's right. That's right. So we're leaving Reality Radio 101 with great uh, thanks to an appreciation to Gary and Reality Radio 101 for providing us a lovely home and being allowed to introduce our love and our share our love and passion for gardening with all of our wonderful listeners. Don't forget, though, Down the Garden Path podcast is still a podcast. There's lots of information that is out there. And even though we are leaving Reality Radio 101, there is still the chance that Joanne and I are going to be popping in and out uh, once or twice a month, perhaps to post a new episode. For example, July in the Garden or August in the Garden type of thing. So even though we're leaving here, do keep an eye out on social media. We are still having our At Down the Garden Path podcast Facebook group available. We are keeping the Instagram live. So you can always reach out to us, Down the Garden Path podcast at hotmail.com uh, to reach and us and share your pictures and your questions, etc. with us. 
At the same time, if you don't follow us there, you can always follow us on our own websites. You can find Joanne at www.downtoearth.ca with all of her social media links there and myself at naturalaffinity.ca with all of my social media links there as well. But to echo what Joanne said, thank you guys so much for all of the love uh, and the support over mm-hmm. the years. You, yeah, We really, do like- really love it. Yeah, we do. And then listen, uh, we've gotten emails throughout the week, which we will respond to. Yes. Uh, we've gotten emails uh, now, you know, William, thank you for, you know, staying, you know, and so many people have, have we recognize your name because of the questions and stuff. Um, and uh, so definitely, uh, thank you. Um, Ray, William, I'm just looking up some names uh, from people who've written in today. Um, Gordon just wrote in and oh, no, so sad. We'll miss you. Yes, Hank. <laughs> has written in uh so yeah so edward um and yeah so definitely we uh and joyce wrote in before the show you know she will miss us until and then tonight so hopefully you're listening joyce thank you very much um so yes um we we really appreciate um all your and your you make our shows really because of all the questions that you you know Matt and I were like, wow, we didn't even like we create notes to talk about, but we don't really need them <laughs> most of the time because you guys uh, create the content for us. So that is uh, that is just wonderful. Um, and the days that you don't, we really panic. <laughs> right? There's been shows where we're like, oh, we don't need to write anything because they're going to ask lots of questions. And then, you know, we panic. But anyway, but that's all it's always worked. And you haven't known what we've gone through. So that that is good. That's right. And even though, uh, you know, we are ending, we still do have two more episodes Mm -hmm. that you will be able to tune in with us here live on uh, Reality Radio 101. Next week is uh, Down the Garden Path podcast through the years. Like Joanne, you had mentioned you've been here for over nine years with Gary. uh, And there is some wonderful content, you guys, uh, that you haven't even heard that Joanne has talked about on her radio show that's available on her website uh, with guests and topics that we haven't even touched on. So you definitely Mm -hmm. have to check out on that. So next week, we're going to go through the years and kind of uh, take a trip down memory lane or back Mm -hmm. down the garden path where we came from and uh, talk about that. And then, of course, we're going to round out our time here on Reality Radio 101 with July in the Garden. So we'll talk all about our July garden, what to expect, the do's and don'ts, tips and tricks uh, that you guys love. And always we get so many wonderful questions and uh, interactions with you guys as well from there. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. This isn't Mm -hmm. the final night. Uh, There's lots more of great stuff to come. That's right. That's right. And Gary, I have a funny story. I was talking to um, my business coach this morning who I've been with her for 12 years, we figured out today. And she said, well, initially when I said, you know, how long? And she said, she was, it was before the podcast, before the radio show. She goes, you, you talked about doing that radio show for a year before you did it. And I said, yes, Gary was on me for a year before (laughs) I finally committed to doing it. Don't you remember that, Gary? Yes, I do. Uh, I used to come in where you were working at the time and, Mm -hmm. and, talk to you about it and everything and i i kind of do remember that yes yeah she reminded me that i'm like yes gary would come in and and tell me that that was you know people would listen and i thought you were crazy because i thought who would listen to me talk about plants (laughs) and how i mean because i was even before podcasts like who 
who could talk about plants on on the internet? Like that just didn't, I just couldn't commute, compute it uh, at the time. So yes, you wooed me for a long time. So she reminded me of that as well. So I thought that was really funny. And who knew all these people would listen? <laughs> well, it's great advice that you guys have mm-hmm. always given. And uh, when Matt joined too, it, it, gave, mm-hmm. it added a lot to the show. And basically uh, your guests... These are experts in so many fields of horticulture and gardening. And I'm sure a lot of the people, what they love is they didn't have to pay anyone for the advice. There was no consult fees. So they, of course, (laughs) they, of course, would enjoy all that every week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a lot of great listeners or sorry, great guests on the show. And Matt, Matt was a great guest and he was such a great guest that it was like, I want to keep him like this is much easier. Um, So and that also took the pressure off of Gary trying to, you know, feign interest into all the weird stuff I talked about. But yeah, no, but you always were. You always did like plants, Gary. So that was great. I love gardening. I really do. Yeah. So. um, So, yeah. So that was good. But yeah, it worked out great. Um, and then remember when we found out, so we, a little bit of reminiscing when we found out Matt and I shared, like, who knew we'd been doing the show for how long? And when we found out we actually shared the same birthday, like that was kind of, that kind of was mind blowing. So it was meant to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because we both worked in the horticultural area and local nurseries over the years, but we never worked together, right? We were never at the same nursery at the same time. We never no. did work together. We had common friends, like I think of Janice and, and, uh, and, you know, common people that we know, but we never were there at the same time. So it was, it was kind of a, a really neat thing. And then it led us to the show together and then it led us to writing the book. Um, so, yeah, so we, we thank you, uh, Gary, for everything, all the opportunities you. you gave us here. And this was a really hard decision to, no, to do. It's, and uh, um, yeah. No, thank you very <laughs> much. I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciated and appreciate you being part of the Reality Radio 101 family. Absolutely. Well, thank you. We appreciate it too. Yeah. And that brings us, I think, to the end. So more people are ready. So I guess the people moment. who didn't know, the people who didn't know are now like freaking out because now they know. So yeah, so Gordon, George, oh my goodness. Uh, so yeah. Um, but there you still stuck with us for the two more week two more weeks this month. Um, so we're and and if you have a favorite show or a favorite guest, we would love to hear that. Wouldn't that be cool, Matt? Just yes, to hear, would. you know, a topic we've covered a lot over the years oh my gosh i think the tulip plant is attacking the carnivorous plant um <laughs> uh, we <laughs> just on my tulip plant tulip flower go poof. uh anyway so we'd love to hear i would love to hear from you as to you know did you have a favorite guest we had some wonderful guests many repeats um they were so good and we loved them so much and uh so yeah so if you have a favorite show or a favorite topic we would love to hear it as well so we're looking forward to talking to you next week that's right we'll see you then Take care. Bye. Thanks for joining us, Down the Garden Path. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101.